Having started a number of businesses, I don't think it's easy to figure out whether you want a full-time employee, a contractor, or just a consultant. It really depends on a lot of things. And I think in the highly regulated medtech world, even more so. I think you'll find this episode interesting, both from the perspective of the startup founder and the consultant, how they work together and work independently, and how they get it done. Hi, you're listening to MedTech Monday on the Road Pod. I'm Danielle Sturm, and today we are talking about how MedTech startups are leveraging independent consultants in the industry today. I have two guests with us, um, Jenna Marshall and Dom Mazzarelli. Jenna is an independent management consultant, as well as a strategic planning, operations, and program management subject matter expert on Nemec's smart team. Our smart team, if you don't know, is our subject matter advisory resource team, which is just a more fancy way of saying our team of advisors. We're also joined by Dom Mazzarelli, CEO and founder of a Rhode Island-based medical startup called Lenos Medical. Dom is also part of Nemec's smart team as our entrepreneur in residence. Thank you for being with us today. Jenna, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So my background is in mechanical engineering with a biomechanical concentration. And I started my career in the medical device product development as a project manager and R&D engineer for a large company here based in Rhode Island. Um, I transitioned to program management at a consulting company, primarily focusing on electromechanical capital equipment, devices, and implants. After about 10 years, I switched over to working in business operations and portfolio management in the pharma industry, uh, building and transforming departments to achieve short and long-term goals for the company. I left a pharmaceutical company in 2018, and serendipity happened. A former colleague reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to do some consulting? And I said, sure. And I enjoyed it so much that I decided to set up my own LLC and pursue it full-time. So through my network and word of mouth, I've been doing that for the last two years full-time. And Dom, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Yes, absolutely. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me today. So about uh, 25 years ago, I hopped on the plane from Switzerland and flew to the U.S. to be here for about one year to learn the culture, learn the language. And I started working for a medical device company back then. And I stayed with this company for over 20 years, um, most of the time in Pennsylvania, came up to New England <clears throat> in 2016. After a big layoff in the in the large medical device company, I decided to go out of my own. And I was really kind of inspired by doing this when I went to an MBA at Penn State, executive MBA, and really got inspired to go off on my own. And I had a huge passion for medical devices, and that's something I always wanted to do. And I had one particular product that I was very interested in for uh, spine surgery. And I was able to take this and uh, start my own company and uh, get it to a point today where it's uh, been used a couple times in uh, in uh, in actual surgeries. Mm. Awesome. So obviously there's a reason we have both of you here today. <laughs> how you guys work together and how did you guys meet? Well, both of us uh, started working out of uh, this co-working space, uh, Nemec, and I was, I think it was about two years ago almost, or maybe maybe not, a, maybe a year and a half ago or so. So we both work in the open space and got to meet each other. Uh, at one point, uh, I learned that Jenna was doing consulting and what she does. And uh, certainly I was in need of having people work and help out with my business as well. So uh, Jenna and I went out for, for lunch and talked a little bit to learn more about, uh, you know, what it, what Jenna would do or can do and uh, what my needs are. <clears throat> we felt that was a fit and started working together and have worked together since. And I think what was neat about 
the Nemec co-working experience is you hear going to a co-working space and meeting other people doing the same thing. And we were sitting at this table and there was three of us and we were all in and around medical device industry. So it was pretty neat just to have those conversations, just looking up, sort of feeling alone and then seeing a couple people next to you saying, okay, they're doing this. And then talking about, we're all doing such different things within the same space. So it was this organic relationship that happened. And I think it allowed us to spend more time to say, what do you do? What are your needs? And do they fit? Versus sort of, you know, a lot of times when you start a new working relationship, you don't have that much time together, right? So you're you're sort of basing it off of a resume or people's experience or someone else's interaction with the person where by the time Dom and I started working together formally, we knew, I knew at least from my standpoint, I could provide the service that he needed at that time. And I was really clear on what he did need because we were able to spend that time together. What did that project look like? What- yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Certainly... I had a lot of execution going on at that time, specifically for you know the the medical device to get it ready for clinical use. And there's a lot of items that need to get done with a lot of different stakeholders. And uh, I just needed somebody that has this in-depth experience that Jenna had in doing this. So she's all the experience in medical devices and how to get them from nothing to to market. So I knew she she could do this, and that's exactly what I needed. Somebody can help with doing that. We were re- very close to to get into clinical use, but there's so much work that needed to be done, specifically in the realm of uh, of all the packaging aspects, ster- uh, sterile packaging. It's a it's a humongous task, and then Jenna was able to come in and take the chaos that that is in front of us, and she took it and streamlined it and made it straightforward and got it executed execute and got it done. So that's kind of the specific that she was really able to jump in and just get the stuff done. Now as like a CEO of a startup, uh, when you were looking at hiring Jenna, you could have hired a consultant, a contract employee, or a full-time employee. Well, what was your reasoning with going with a consultant? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. One of the challenges is with with startups specifically, and when I say startup, like a small startup like mine, where literally I was the only person at the time, then you have a lot of tasks, but they come and go. So you have tasks, let's say, for a regulatory person, but it's only for a certain amount of time, and then that task is completed, and you don't really need a full-time employee. So if you have a full-time employee, those employees would have to be either very, very diverse, that they can do a lot of different tasks, or if they can't do that, you use them maybe, you know, three days a week, and then what do they do the next, you know, two days of that week? So the kind of the workload demands, you know, to to work with consultants, which is really nice when you have, you know, uh, consultants and contractors that they don't give you a hundred percent, you know, uh, of their time, just partial of their time, which is what you need, which is really what helps in in reducing the costs when you when you do this. So for me, that was a big part that, you know, when I needed the consultants, I was able to get them and get them, uh, you know, on board to get things done. And when some of the tasks kind of were completed, you know, I didn't have to keep them on staff per se. Uh, and keep paying uh, the bills at that time. Jenna, can you tell us about what the difference is between a consultant and a contract employee and why you go with consulting? Sure. So I think what I heard one of my clients say once is, we hire consultants to help 
help us figure out what to do and tell us what to do. We hire contractors so we can tell them what to do and they can just do it. When I position myself and when I work with consultants, other consultants, independent consultants, I look for, is it a short-term need? Is it a sort of more strategic and operational need that's sort of acute and isn't going to be for a long term? Because what I always say to clients is, if you're going to need this over a long period of time, you're better off having someone in-house or full-time who becomes part of your team because it's never going away. Versus a consultant can come in and help identify problems, solve problems, figure out the best practice to do it, but then hand it over to either the person who's working in the company or to somebody else that you help the company bring in to do it from a long-term standpoint. So I think when Dom and I sat down too, understanding really what did his company look like, who was working, what were the activities he was doing, and his appetite for doing more of the tactical work, you know, I think that's a big thing because if you have people in the company who can do the work and sort of either need an objective person to come in or an extra set of hands for a short period of time, a consultant works, the contractor's really going to be somebody who stays with you and, and carries it forward. How do your relationships with, with your clients usually work? How many clients can you take on at a time? And if Dom, your only client, probably not. <laughs> um, but how do, you, how do you manage all that work in different clients and different projects? So I think spending time up front, understanding what the client needs is really important. And just being honest about, do I have the bandwidth? Am I the right person? Is this, is this a good fit? Is this what you need? And, you know, I, having previous consulting experience, I did work for a consultancy and I knew what it was like to manage multiple projects or multiple clients at one time. So you sort of learn your own capacity. And so, I'm independent. I'm just by myself, right? So I never want to get in a situation where I overcommit and can't deliver or add value to the clients I'm working with. So I sort of know the formula that works for me, and that includes building in flexibility in the schedule. So if I book myself 60 hours a week with 10 different clients, well, that's going to set all of us up for failure, right? Because there's, there's not enough time to transition even your mindset to say this client needs this, this project needs that. So it's building in time into my schedule to say, I want to be able to think for this person and I want to be able to be a good partner, right? I think that's the other thing I'm seeing a lot with big companies, with startups, with the whole industry is it's, if you're going to outsource, it's not just a vendor, but it's truly a partner. It's somebody who's going to act as a member of your team and by your side and, and care about what they're doing and their goals just as much as they do. So I, I sort of spend as much time as I can up front understanding what the person needs and am I the right fit and can I commit to it for however long I can see it, even after the engagement for follow-ups. And if I can't, you know, it's it's hard, but you say no. You say I'm, I'm not able to support you, but I have other independent consultants I can recommend you to or some bigger companies that that provide consulting services. So I think just being honest and having that upfront communication is key. Yeah, and I think not not only being honest, and I think in your case is that you're ex uh, a very good planner. You plan the things extremely well. So for a client, for me, it's almost invisible that you have other clients. But in other situations with other contractors or consultants, I've seen where this was a big issue, where they weren't as good as a planner, they weren't as upfront. And then it, it starts to get difficult at some point where, you know, you have meetings that you plan and schedule and, you know, five, 10 minutes before the meeting, 
you know, the contractor cancels out because, oh, I'm sorry, just my other client, which is much bigger than you are, just had a last minute meeting and, you know, my meeting was canceled. So not everybody is as well organized as you are. And with, that's, I think, sometimes the challenge is with, the, with some of the contractors that they have so many conflicting interests and they don't uh, really make sure that they don't overbook themselves. So they're overbooked and then it's hard to get a hold of them. So that's sometimes a little bit... Uh, the drawback if you if you work with contractors because they're not your full-time employees so they have responsibilities with other people too and as a startup you just have to kind of work around that or make sure you you have the conversation with the contractors up front and then you know exactly where you're going to be mm-hmm. and i think you know as much planning as you do up front things change especially you know any company that's growing scaling a startup that has a lot to do you have to have those regular check-in points to say this this was our plan. Is it still our plan? Where is it going? And sort of be proactive about those conversations so that you don't find yourself, because it's inevitable, right? You have a plan, but you have it so that you know how to steer back to the North Star, not because you're going to have a linear plan. That's just not the way, especially product development works. We all know that best laid plans is no way you're going from point A to point B without a, a zigzag line. Jenna, do you have any advice for anyone in the industry that's looking to maybe be a consultant, go into consulting? So I think, like I said, I think working for a company that is a consultancy and understanding sort of what that model looks like and how, what are, what are billable hours? What are the different models for contracts? You know, you can do anything from time and materials where you say, okay, I'm, it's this much money for this many hours or per hour. You can do hours per month. You can do a fixed fee and by deliverable. So there's all these different types of consulting engagements. And I think working for a consultancy or on the flip side, if you work for a company and you do a lot of outsourcing and you see what those contracts look like, it helps you have the baseline to understand, you know, so if Dom comes with me and says, we need to do this and we need to execute it by this time to reach this goal, you sort of have in your mind, okay, that's going to take this amount of hours, or I should do it by deliverable because it's really hard to predict that and it's going to be over time. So I think always understanding what the consulting contracts look like are a big piece. I think the other piece too, I spent some time, sort of because this happened by happenstance, that I ventured into independent consulting because somebody asked me to. When I decided to do it full-time and pursue it, I stepped back and I worked with a coach and I said, okay, I want to be clear about what service I'm providing, who I am today, what I'm going to do, because inevitably, you know, when you're, you know, I have close to 20 years of experience. So people in my network know me at different points in time in my career, right? So somebody who may think I'm, I will come and do R&D engineering for them because I'm consulting, it was easier to have, again, a plan to say, these are the services I provide. I don't do that right now. I'm, you know, I have experience doing that. Here's how I could leverage it if you need a person to help you set up and, and help make that connection for you. But that's not what I'm doing specifically. So mm-hmm. I think being clear and, you know, it all goes back to planning, being very, <laughs> very clear on what you're doing and what the services is, mm-hmm. is key if you're going to do it by yourself. Dom, do you have any advice for anyone um, that is running a startup that's looking to hire consultants? Yes, certainly. Um, for sure. You know, it's always good to, to get to know the people first, that you uh, kind of learn exactly what they do, like what Jenna just said. You know, you may know this person from the past, within a different capacity and they've, you know, done something completely different for the last 10 years. So make sure there's a, 
there is the fit from the capabilities perspective, but also a fit from a personal perspective. I mean, if you're a small startup, I mean, the team is huge. And even if, you know, these are consultants or contractors, I mean, these are still team members that and it's important to, to make sure you have a good team. So don't just, you know, go online and find a consultant and hire them immediately, you know, mm-hmm. spend some time to really vet and make sure there's a, you know, a kind of a mutual fit between the contractor consultant and, mm-hmm. uh, and yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and then just be ready too that, you know, these, the consultants or contractors, they, they don't have too much of real, um, how is best say like commitment to you. If they have some, all of a sudden some other priorities come up or in some instances, you know, they may get tired of being a consultant contractor and get a full-time job and then you may lose them. So be aware of some of those things that that could happen. And that's one of the other reasons why it's very important to make sure they feel part of the team and it's a real good team environment. So they, they're, you know, in, kind of encouraged and inspired to be with you and, and help you with the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is some of the more on the soft skills side, but it's important because mm-hmm. otherwise you will lose them. Mm-hmm. I think and if I can add one thing to that too from the consulting side, if if you're working with someone, again, like Dom said, you know, things can change. So leaving a good document of what you did while you were working together. What was the plan? How did you execute to it? What were the decisions you made? Why did you make them? What were the assumption issues? So that sort of tribal knowledge doesn't walk away with someone. But I, at least when I approach it, I always document it. So, you know, if if I walk away and get hit by a bus, <laughs> which is always a morbid thought, but I don't want any information just being in my head. I want it to be usable. I want it to be visible. And I want it to be the persons who owns it. It's the company's, mm-hmm. right? It's not my information. It's it's theirs, and they should be able to use it at any time now or in the future. So I think sort of keeping that in mind and how you document what you've done and who's doing it can be very important. And I approach it from, I, I care about the people I work with and the relationship. So I, I don't want to ever see them in a, in a point where they don't know what was in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why it's probably also important at the beginning when you start the relationship with a consultant and a contractor is that you don't have to have a lot of, you know, documentation in place, but some of them is, uh, is important to have, such as in our space, certainly an NDA is important. So you want to protect your, your ideas and your IP. But, uh, many times, uh, just a consulting contract is important too. Mm-hmm. So that, like what Janet just said, the things that are in her head or so, or things, documents that she creates, that this is work product that actually you as the startup has rights to it and you own those, mm-hmm. uh, those documents. So, because some otherwise, if, you know, Jenna would go away, all of a sudden all the work that you provided is no longer accessible to you. So a little bit of, upfront administrative work with an NDA and maybe a consulting agreement is very helpful. But then other than that, there's not much more you need when you have a consultant and contractor, which is a nice part. So you don't have to do anything in regards of, you know, uh, healthcare or social, social security or anything like that. The only thing you have to do, you know, at the end of the year, you have to ask for a W-9 form where, you know, you get the information from the contractor's consultants and then you issue either through your accountant or you can do it yourself uh, if you're a little savvy in the accounting area where you issue, um, you issue the 1099, 1099 forms for them. 
And that's about the extent that you have to do from an administrative uh, perspective. And it's not much. So that's, I think, one of the other advantages of having a contractor consultant. Specifically, you've just started out with the business, so you, you don't want to do or don't have the capability to do full-blown employee ab- agreements or so. So it allows you to get started really quick without too much you know, administrative work right up front. I don't want to uh, interject, but can I ask a question here? I know I haven't been a big part of the conversation, but let's talk about some level of cost control because you know, what does a consultant cost? Oh, zero to whatever, $1,000 an hour. I mean, some people work for equity, uh, others work for cash. Um, how do we talk about cost control? How do we talk about um, the discussion around pricing? Um, particularly with a lot of entrepreneurs that we're seeing these days who are younger and may not have business experience and be business savvy. Um, how, do we, how do we work with them? How do we talk about this? Yeah, I think you, you, that's a really important point. And you said, you know, it could cost from zero to a thousand dollars. And I have seen exactly that range. So like you said, like an IP attorney or so, um, one of the very first ones I started working with was literally was a thousand dollars an hour, which is just absolutely impossible for uh, for a startup. But in this case, in my example, it was a uh, he was an attorney I knew before from my work at the previous company, and I had a lot of trust with him, but it just was not going to work with the $1,000 an hour. I, I used him for maybe two or three hours, and at that point, I mean, you when you speak with, with this particular consultant, I mean, you're so paranoid about running over time. The only focus that you have is, <clears throat> I don't want to spend too much money with it, and it's completely not productive. Um, so I think it's important when you have the the initial discussion with the consultants is yeah how much is it going to cost, you know is is it a thousand dollars an hour and then <clears throat> even if you like the person, you you have to walk away from it because it's just not sustainable, and uh, in some other cases you might be able to do uh, might be able to go get away without having to pay but you you give away some equity. I have some physician consultants where. Physician consultants, they can run up to $500 an hour. It's pretty expensive as well. And you can't be without a physician consultant if you have a med tech uh, startup. And uh, the options I've used there is that um, I um, awarded them equity based on achieving certain milestones, which for me has worked really well. So you didn't, I didn't have to give away, let's say, a lot of equity up front, but it's also based on milestones. So they're incentivized to complete the work and finish some of the work. And if they don't work out, which sometimes happens, you didn't give away a lot of equity or so. But it helps for sure because you don't have to pay the $500 an hour every time you meet with them. And the conversations and everything is is so much better because you're not worried about it. Just the clock is on. And uh, then I think for you know, other type of consultants, not physicians, but if you have like even engineering consultants or so, the the, the range can vary. If you like a, a young engineer that uh, has a little bit of experience, you may, may only have to pay like $60 an hour or so. But if you have somebody with a lot more experience, you know, 20, you know, 25 years of experience, I think the range will go up to, you know, go 200, 300, $400 an hour. And specifically when you go with attorneys, which unfortunately you will need attorneys when you have a startup, um, you may find somebody for 300, 350, but what I've seen more often is maybe around $400 an hour or so. I know some attorneys too, they have some programs where they say the first couple hours they don't charge 
and then they only charge uh, as they see the business going a little bit further. But uh, generally, that's kind of uh, my experience, what I had. So it, it's definitely the full range, but I would encourage people to stay away from the $1,000 an hour because what I learned too as well is that the amount of money you pay per hour is not necessarily indicative of how good the people are. You know, some people that uh, have very reasonable rates are, you know, a thousand times better than some people that are charging very high rates. And I think on the flip side from being an independent consultant, you know, startup, Danielle and I was and I were talking about it. You know, startup, I think to a lot of people means one or two people just with an idea, just getting started. But there's such a range of startups. I mean, I've worked with 20-year-old startups, and they're still startups because they're pre-revenue, and they're scaling and growing from 50 people into the hundreds. And they're still a startup because they're venture-backed, they're privately funded, they're, they've just gone through an IPO. So there's there's such a range in understanding what people's budgets are. And again, for me, spending time up front to understand where are they at. And then what I always try to do, too, is, hey, what can you be doing yourself? How can I set you up with some of the, the planning and the execution so that you can do this yourself? So you don't need me to come in to run you know, down a Gantt chart for you, right? But if you need the Gantt chart set up and understanding what does that look like, what are the dependencies, put an operational plan together, that's where I can add value. But sort of, you know, you don't want to pay me extra hours on something that you can do yourself. So I think being mindful of that and the type of company and the who the people are who are already working there versus who they can maybe add on at a lower cost. So that's something I just kind of always look out for, like, hey, you know, you don't really need me anymore. You need this type of full-time person and it can save you this amount of money. So I try to always be mindful of, you know, time and money. It's it's valuable to all of us and it has to be mutually beneficial. So I don't ever want to be in a situation where it's like, well, why were we paying her to do that? So I'm always thinking of how can you sort of get the most value out of out of the resources you're using without, you know, overspending your budget. So Dom, you mentioned um, earlier paying consultants in equity. Um, what what does that look like, and what does that talk? What does that talk like with the consultants on how much equity they're getting? You know, that's an out, outstanding question because you know, even though I have twenty plus years experience in medical devices, I had very little experience in you know equity or giving away equity or so. I had to be honest, I had zero experience in that. And then the first thing you think is like, well, look, I want to give this person, let's say physician uh, advisor, I want to give this person 3% equity. And it sounds very simple and easy. And I've seen some startups, they literally have done that. They, they have a piece of paper where it says, you get 3% of my company. And that's more or less all it said. And I would encourage everyone who's listening to not do that. Uh, there's a little bit more behind that. Certainly, you can go into very extensive you know, um, equity uh, vesting programs that could get very complicated with uh, agreements or so. And sometimes it's warranted. You need that. But um, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Specifically, you know, in my case, I'm an LLC. So these equity is, is considered like membership units. And uh, the way I was trying to do it is, again, in a very simple way. It doesn't require too much documentation. Where in the case of an LLC, you have to make sure you have an operating agreement and the operating agreement kind of calls out, you know, how you give away membership units and how they're handled. Um, also from a tax perspective as well. 
you need an operating agreement no matter what. If you have an LLC, and I encourage everyone to to do one so you're a legitimate company, and in there you describe uh, how you give away you know membership units or equity of the company. So I think that's that's important. And then in regards of you know vesting is is generally I think a really good thing. And the way I was trying to do it is that I uh, instead of giving away a percentage which could make it complicated. I'm giving away literal membership units as I'm giving away this many units. And yes, those units will dilute over time, but I'm upfront about that, that, you know, if more units are issued, you know, they will uh, dilute. And um, what I was trying to do in my case is, look, nobody's special, everybody's units will dilute. So nobody has anything special, which I think helps. And, um, and then in regards of, the, the way I try to do with the vesting, literally I do milestone achievements and say when this particular milestone is achieved, then you get another, let's say, a thousand units and do it this way. So this way you can protect, you know, against that you just onboarded somebody, let's say you have a physician that you thought will execute a lot of things and then he doesn't. So that you didn't give away, you know, you know, 10% or something and he walks away and he keeps it. So make sure that that part is protected as well. And that's the way I did it is by, look, you only get a thousand units here at the beginning, you get another 2000 units when you complete this particular task and uh, kind of protect yourself in, in that way. But yeah, don't just have a piece of paper and say, look, you're gonna get 3% of my company. It requires a little bit more um, uh, homework, you know, before you do that, and maybe speak to to uh, an attorney who's versed in doing this. It's not super complicated, but you got to do it the right way. So you protect yourself and the other members of the company. Mm-hmm. Maybe one other thing I just wanted to add, not in regards of, of the vesting, but something to consider as you're a startup company. So you probably go for for getting some funds, uh, some investors and let's say you start out by yourself and uh, you have three or four contractors. Also be mindful of maybe when you do start at a company, it always looks really good if you're, let's say two founders, so you're two people and these two people are 100% full time. And then you have maybe two or three consultants or contractors working with you, that looks really good. But if you have a company that let's say you're just a founder, you have like 10 contractors that you list on a pitch deck or something, just be mindful that it may not look as strong as if you have a company that, you know, you're five full-time employees. But, you know, as you're when you're very young, very early, I think it's perfectly fine that you're one or two full-time people, two founders, and maybe two or three contractors. I think that's for investors. I think that looks still very reasonable and very good that they, they can see that you're mindful about your spending. Awesome. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Um, Jenna? If anyone wants to work with you or learn more about Marshall Consulting, how can they contact you? Sure. They can either email me at Jenna at MarshallConsulting.com or check out my website, which is MarshallConsulting.com. Awesome. And Dom, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can we get in contact with you? Yeah, certainly. Thank you. Again, thanks for having me. And anyone interested in just getting advice or anything, more than happy to talk to anyone. And it's Dom.Messerly at Lenos.com. Awesome. Um, and if you're interested in working with either of these two, you can reach out to them or you can reach out to us at Nemec and hashtag MedTechMonday. Um, both of them work very closely with us um, on a multitude of projects. So thank you for listening today and have a good day. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening and all your positive comments about the Road Pod. We're excited to bring you these innovative people every week. MedTech Monday and Innovation Thursday. If you need to reach me, reach me at tom at theroadpod.com. Thank you.